0: You guys see what I did there? Wiped my nose with a paper towel so my glasses don't slide off. You don't have to feel bad for me anymore. <laughs> you jokers. I love that this is just like a big dysfunctional family in here. It's so fun. I don't need to go home and get razzed by my brothers because you guys love me like that. So, you know, today is just a, a Little different feel, as you know, and, and there's, you know, a reason for that. When we worship, there are so many different forms that worship takes. And we talk a lot about music because that's front and center. It's something we love to do. Singing songs together unites us. It, it connects us to one another and it connects us to the heart of God. But, you know, when we think about our, our summer series here, summer mixtape, Paul was talking about just how significant worship is, that we get ways to sing out in, in ways that we love to do truths, powerful truths, deep truths about God. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I loved making mixtapes. I loved having the power to not just make a mixtape, but like then to record my own voice as the DJ. In there, there's some, probably in my mom's attic or something, there's some boxes with old cassettes, and my, one of my brother's names is Nick, and we were just good buddies growing up, and so there's probably like, Grant and Nick's funny tape, one of them was called. It wasn't funny at all. It was like a couple songs, and then my little squeaky kid voice, like, and now to John Weatherson for the Weather Report, that kind of stuff, and then we would just howl with laughter, there. I howl with laughter at myself sometimes, too. And and I loved making mixtapes as I got older. I loved to make, like, a Metallica Guns N' Roses mixtape for basketball in the driveway. Because nothing says get pumped up like going out to imagine you're in the NBA when you're 11 years old or 12 years old, right? Like, I'm out there, like, Counting down three, two, one, launch a shot. It's like Enter Sandman is playing and it's gonna go in and I miss it. So I keep three, two, one, launch the shot, and then I make it on the eleventh try, and I put my hands in the air like Steph Curry, like I am amazing. Because in my mind, I am amazing, you guys. In high school, as a freshman, I remember being in the locker room before football games, and, and the older guys were playing Eye of the Tiger, and I was like, This is amazing, and kind of like, Kind of feeling this a little bit. We're gonna go destroy Spring Valley! And I'm a 5 foot, 520 pound freshman, like just so jacked because of a mixtape. It has power. My wife still has a mixtape or two that I made her when we were dating, and I did the thing I did when I was a kid where I put my voice in between the songs. She uses it as a threat now, like if I ever do anything, that's gonna see the light of day. Well, mixtapes are powerful. And in fact, some of them can get pretty personal. And I've loved that this worship series speaks to all of us in different ways. Because we have different experiences with worship. Now, here's where we've been so far. Worship at Jacob's Well. Our commitment to worship says this. We're going to put it up in just a second. We commit to love and honor God With our whole lives. And we've talked about that a lot this past year. That worship is not just about music. It's what we do at work. It's what we do with our hands. It's those things we love to do that we do for the glory and honor of God. And then worship, Paul said in week one, is the most important thing you'll do in your life. Because you are created to worship. It's who you are are created to worship. It's part of our identity as children of God. It's something we do to respond to the great love that God has shown to us. And then last week, Jason talked about how it's important and powerful to pay attention to the words of worship as we sing. Those are promises and and declarations. There's love. There's victory. There's seeking and prayer in worship. And when we pay attention to those words, It just takes it to a whole new level. And I would hope that over this past week, you've been able to concentrate a little bit more on just exactly how important that is to focus on what we're singing about. Now, today is different because this is about when worship gets personal. Worship as the secret place. Worship like Jesus described prayer of going into your room and closing the door and being just you and God in close communion together. It's a relational experience, not just of being in God's presence, but of feeling God's presence deeply, of receiving more of that presence. Just like those mixtapes that got a little more personal. What about love song mixtapes? Or what about mixtapes that you made for yourself to get you through a season of life? There are songs that You connect with deeply the kind of songs that you're driving home from work or from the gas station on any random Tuesday, and you hear this song, and you just start belting it out, and tears start streaming down your face, and you're like, that's right, Celine Dion! (laughs) Stuff like that. You wouldn't tell anybody about it, would you? But that's special to you. Worship gets personal. Songs of worship over your life that you felt most deeply. The ones that spoke to your situation, that represented something you had experienced, something you knew deep down in your gut. That's what worship as a personal thing is like. It's for you. It's between you and the one you love. Nobody else needs to know what you talk about or what you feel in your heart. But even though nobody else may be watching you in your secret place with God, it's incredibly scary, too. To worship in spirit and in truth Means to me, one way of looking at it is that I am meant to truly feel the presence of God and the truth of what I'm singing about in my spirit, in my guts, where my passions are, where my fears dwell, where my deepest and most personal joys are, where the things I hope for live. It's not something to enter into lightly. It's maybe why It feels almost like too much, just me and God, to close the door and focus in on his love for me because it goes to vulnerable places that are uncomfortable and unfamiliar. And so I've learned a few things over time, mostly by stumbling into them, like I do with everything else in my life, but some because God at different points has guided me gently into these. The first thing to do if you are somebody you know you need to connect with God, just you and God, and you don't know where to start, I say sing your worship mixtape. If that's worship songs, find the ones that you love. Sing those out. Sing the truths of your heart to God. And not just in singing. Sing your worship mixtape. Your worship mixtape might be your wood shop. That might be where you go and you have a, a series of activities that really help you chill out and relax and find peace. You can worship in that environment. You, you might find something else that is your favorite activity. Do it as worship with your whole self. And when you are with God in that place, let yourself feel the significance of that. Feel it in your spirit, in your heart, Which, really, in the Bible, the word they use for heart isn't our heart up here. It's the heart here, the core of our identity in our guts. And we need to feel that on a regular basis. Whatever you love to do, make it worship. Don't just do it because it's a hobby. Do it and be mindful of God. Don't just perform it well for God so that it can be mistake-free. Feel it. That's what he wants you to experience. The feeling, the truth, the knowledge of his love consciously, intentionally. Be mindful of God as you do what you love. And there are a couple settings that will be helpful for you with your worship mixtape. Keep it real. Make it about the reality of where you're at. Keep it simple. Keep it on going. Don't think you've got to create something huge. Just enter that presence. Be real. Be simple. And then don't stop. The first thing I would encourage you to do, if you're wondering where to start, is to sing your pain. Whether it's in music or anything else, when we, on purpose, consciously engage with our pain, science has shown, with music especially, that when we sing in a time of pain or frustration, a song that we feel, it's cathartic, and it releases stuff from our brains. All the pressure, and all the stuff that's full attention, all the things that are overwhelming, we can work it out by singing but we can also work that stuff out by mowing the lawn. I work out stuff mowing the lawn, and I realize I'm doing my lawn mowing as worship because I'm communicating with God in prayer. I'm bringing things before him. I'm remembering truths that he's given to me in my life, this new life he's invited me into. It's cathartic. I'm out there, like, sweating, and I don't wear glasses mowing either because they'll just fall off. I mean, right? But I'm sweating, and I realize sometimes, wow, I'm feeling deeply while I mow. And it's not that I'm mowing perfectly, and that's my worship. I could leave, you know, stuff everywhere. But if my heart is engaged with God as I do it, that's worship. In Psalm 40, we're going to spend time here just a little bit. One through three, we'll see somebody who has sung pain. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. So there's crying out here, and after this crying out, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now, we love the new song that God puts in our mouth, but it comes after we cry out in that slimy pit, in the mud and mire, and God rescues us and sets us in a new place. That's where the new song comes from. There's more pain in verses 11 through 13. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. There's such desperation there, right? And then verse 17, just an admission of need. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer, and I need help, God. You are my God. Do not delay. You might also connect with singing your loss, singing your grief, singing your anger, your desperation, your repentance. These are things that we feel all the time. But typically what we do is let those things numb us out, And we think that's the way to get through. Just coast through, eyes shut, pretend it's not there. When really it's about in our desperation, in our feelings, in our pain, we are real. We talk about where we're really at. We're humble. Just like the psalm says, Lord, I'm poor and needy. I need you. And we're open. Open to what God would put in place of that pain, that fear, that desperation. You can do that in any form you want, but feel it. That's how you work it out. Next thing is to sing your love. There are so many aspects to this. We've been singing about that this morning, the intimate, personal, powerful love of God that has come for you and for me. One thing I have found helpful is in times when I would really kind of forget what love feels like or where I'm at or who I am, I'll just remember again the story of me and Jesus. And be so thankful all over again. In fact, almost mind-blown again with every realization of just what that means and how it grows in significance over time. Psalm 40, verses 5 through 9. Here's somebody singing love as worship. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. Such a response. Going to God. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. That's somebody who sings love and doesn't stop, who proclaims it for all to hear what God has done. See also, sing thankfulness for God's love. We celebrate that. We're so thankful for what we've received. That's a lot of what our worship songs are about. Or anticipation. We anticipate a move of God. We anticipate a feeling of God's presence. We anticipate truth that will be revealed. Or sing your longing. We don't like to admit we have longings, but we still do, even as adults. Things that quicken our heartbeats, things that we love, that are just so special to us. And it can be anything, surfacy, it can be something big, monumental, but we long for stuff to happen. We long for things in our lives. We long for more of God, and we can sing about that. We sing awe, reverence, complete wonder at who God is and what he's done at creation. And then one of the most intimate and personal ways you can sing love is to sing songs of surrender. Laying down all the things that we cling to that block us from the will of God, that block us from that clarity of his love. Again, the settings are keep it real. Sing your love, your real love, your story of love, you and Jesus. And don't rush through it. Linger. One of those settings is lingering, and that's something we don't often do in our lives at all. We hate to linger. We want to just move on to the next thing, and uh, it's like in prayer, sometimes people say it's like you go to the doctor, and you just give the list of symptoms, and then you're like, well, okay, I'm out of here, and then you walk out the door without listening to the response. It's silly. Well, in prayer, in worship, same thing. Sometimes we just like, God, we love you so much. Thank you. Here's our pain. Here's our love, all that stuff, and now Culver's for lunch. When really we could spend some time, personally and intimately, more than we can here, lingering in the presence of God and listening. Listening to a feeling, a sense, a word of scripture, something that confirms the truth and reminds us who we are. And then finally, sing your faith. Sing what you know to be true. Sing what you trust no matter what you're in the middle of right now. Singing your faith reminds you, oh yeah, there is something bigger happening here. There's something larger that my life is connected to. And I can trust that God has me even in the middle of the craziest season of life. In verse 4 of Psalm 40, the psalmist writes, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That's a song of trust and faith. Who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Verse 10, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. We don't have concealed carry licenses for the love of God and the knowledge and truth of his faithfulness. It's not meant to be something invisible to the naked eye. The psalmist says, I speak of it. I don't hide it. I don't conceal it. I reveal it in front of the whole great assembly. Because you're good, God. What business would I have keeping it under wraps, hiding it? Verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. That's a faith song right there. In the middle of anything, we have reason to declare and sing out that the Lord is great. You can also sing your hope. In bleak circumstances, we feel foolish when we start to feel those rays of hope come back. We almost don't want to admit it to ourselves or anybody else. But sing your hope. Sing your belief. I believe this, even if I can't feel it right now. God, I believe in you. Sing your truth. Sing the truth that you know uniquely well because of your story and where you've been and how God has set you on a rock and given you a foundation of love. Sing your identity like we did with that Who You Say I Am song, and No Longer Slaves. This is who I am now because of the love of God. Sing your remembrance. That's what communion's about, and we'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Sing your remembrance. When you tend to forget and circumstances pile up and everything else seems more powerful than the love of God. I mean, what even is that in those times? You can remember what has happened, what he's done for you, and let the settings be real again. It's going to be hard to sing out your faith unless you're really telling your story of faith and what you need in your faith. Keep it trusting. This is something where we ebb and flow with trust, we're never perfect at it, we work at it, and there's always this give and take with trust. But when you worship and you sing your faith, Do it from a position of trust, not empty words, but believing that the words you are singing, believing that the prayers you are saying or thinking as you're doing whatever it is you do in connection and worship with God, trust in him, believe, and then realize how resilient you already are. How many times have you taken a punch in your life and bounced back already? You're here, right? You're still going. You've survived. And more than survived, if you're loved by God, survival means more life than we could ever imagine. You're resilient. You'll be resilient again. But maybe it will take you singing your faith to bounce back this time. Singing those promises and declarations of God's word. So that's my simple thoughts for you today on personal, intimate worship. But I can't be with you to remind you this week to do that. But I, pr- I pray and I believe that the Holy Spirit will prompt you that just like the scriptures say, God will summon you by name. And there will be something you're in the middle of this week where you remember, oh yeah, I need to slow down. I need to worship here. Whether I'm working with my hands or playing music or anything else. Next steps for you guys. First is stop in the lobby at the Justice Run table. This actually is an act of worship. It's something that people have done in response to who God is in this new identity he provides, not just for those at the top of the heap, but for all, the poor, the lost, the broken. And you can support the work that goes to help those who are lost and broken, who are enslaved by participating as a runner, a walker, a volunteer at the Justice Run. Everybody should do that. It's powerful, and we see Great numbers of people come together for God's purposes in his kingdom work. Next is OneFest. It's all about worship. It's okay if you miss church next weekend, if you want to go to OneFest. That's all right. That's church, too. It's a way bigger, outdoor, probably really hot church that I won't be at. <laughs> you know, glasses falling off and everything. Um. But OneFest is powerful, and, and we are a sponsor of this. We believe in this. These, this is just another reminder of just how fantastic it is that we get amazing music here in the Chippewa Valley to come to us. I mean, what are these people doing in the Chippewa Valley? They have no business coming here. We're Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, Lake Halley. But they come to us, and what an awesome opportunity. This is stuff that would never happen otherwise. We'd have to travel forever to find some of these bands, but they're coming to us. And then finally, Splash is coming up first weekend of August here. This is all about worship, people responding and symbolizing what God has done by demonstrating through something physical that they are his, that that identity for them is true. And we'll have some worship nights and things coming up throughout the ministry calendar this year I invite you to pay attention to. We're really trying to create a worship culture here that feels and doesn't just sing words, that feels what we're doing, and loves to sing together. Now, a minute ago, I was talking about singing your remembrance, and that's when communion gets personal, when we remember that for you personally, for me, in your place, Jesus shed his blood for you, died for you. God loves you. Yes, God's love is a big, overarching thing. It's beyond the universe. But he created you for a reason. He created you and intends that you would know his love. So that you, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the shedding of his blood, his broken body, so you would know forgiveness. So you would know grace. There's nothing that disqualifies you. And mercy, so you could find refuge and rescue through What Jesus has done. So wherever you're at today, there's nothing more personal than communion. There's nothing more personal than this connection between you and God. As much as it's a community act that we do together, and that's beautiful. The symbolism of communion is about you and God. A personal act of worship where you choose on purpose to remember So it's pretty simple here, pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of rules about communion. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we welcome you to come forward. The ushers are going to come up now, and and as we get started in a minute, they're going to dismiss you row by row. And come forward. Let this be personal. Let yourself feel this. There's a gluten-free table over to the side. But for now, I invite you to just bow your heads, to close your eyes, enter into this time with feeling and worship with God, receiving in a fresh way today this gift of love and forgiveness of life. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done and what this means for us. We thank you that through your shed blood we find forgiveness of sins. And through your resurrection, we find life eternal. We thank you and praise you now for who you are, for everything you've done, for your death on the cross for us. Thank you for the worship that evokes from us. And now would you speak to us in this time? Amen.